From the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, this is Dive Deep. We dive deep into our Catholic faith along with Father Chris House and Amber Servany. I am Andrew Hansen. Thanks for joining us. Election 2020 is coming up. Gear up. And speaking of that, how Catholics should vote. That's our topic today here on Dive Deep. Now, we're not going to endorse any candidates. The, the church doesn't and shouldn't do that. So we're going to talk about how you should look at these issues. Uh, we're going to talk about forming consciences for faithful citizenship. This is a document put out by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. So make sure you head over to their website, usccb.org, where it's all right there. So uh, take a look at that because it's really important. And we're going to dive into this. And, and Father House and Amber, the first thing I want to I want to discuss, because I think what issue obviously always arises all, all the way to the top for Catholics is abortion. Uh, and, and in it, um, they talk about how abortion, euthanasia, in other words, physician-assisted suicide, have become preeminent threats. They use that, that phrase, preeminent threats. Uh, but Father House, this is, uh, it's more to it than, than just that. Abortion, euthanasia, it's, it's the whole life issue is more than just those two issues, even though they are preeminent. Uh, t- tell us about that. It boils down really to, it's the, about the dignity of the human person, which all that's a part of. So the bishops want us to remember that that should be a guiding force. There's a great quote that they use that comes from Gaudium et Spes out of the Second Vatican Council that says, it is necessary to consider every neighbor without exception as another self, taking into account first of all his life and the means necessary for living it with dignity. So it's that dignity of the human person. Now, when we talk about abortion, of course, then in issues that surround the dignity of the human person, since the unborn are the most innocent and the most vulnerable, that takes that preeminent place. But the dignity of the human person in all things should be that major guiding force for us in how we live out our, our lives and how we approach the political sphere. Now, of course, this gets very complicated uh, because if you look at the, our two major political parties, um, the Catholic Church does not align perfectly with either of them. Correct. As a matter of fact, we're not even close to either of them. But there are certain aspects, each political party, where the Catholic Church does align with certain things. Um, how do we navigate that as Catholics then? Well, that's the key where the bishops talk about. It's about forming conscience. So that's what's, I mean, it's just, because as you say, there's no one specific party that follows at least no mainstream party that follows Catholic social teaching perfectly. So it's about understanding what the church teaches. It's about seeing how those issues are prioritized, forming our conscience with that, and doing our best then to listen to that conscience, which as the church teaches, it's the voice of God resonating from within. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's very much a challenge. And you talk about forming your conscience how does one do that? Because one thing that, that I, uh, I, I think comes to my mind is a good, faithful, practicing Catholic can vote for this party, and the same person who sits next to that person in the pew every Sunday who's very faithful and knows the church teaching can vote for the other party. And so when you talk about forming your conscience, my question is, well, how did these two very faithful, practicing Catholics come to completely different conclusions on who to vote, who to vote for. Right, and, and, and conscience is not a black and white issue. I mean, so with so many things in the church, we wish everything was black and white. Many things are, but a lot of things are also gray, and that's what happens with the issue of forming conscience. So the bishops put out their four main ways of forming conscience. So first, they talk about, you know, simply, number one, you have to be open to it. You cannot walk into it with this preconceived notion of this is what I think it should be. So it's about 
being open to having your conscience formed. And they talk about the need to study the scriptures, so the word of God, and then the teachings of the church. So the teachings of the church flow from the revealed truth that comes from the scriptures. So what does the church teach on each specific issue? The bishops also talk about then you have to know then exactly what you're voting for. You have to know what the issues are. You have to know what people are backing. So, and, and really quick, that, that, I feel like that's really important because so many, I mean, I fall into this trap too, is you, you, you know the main issues of a, of a candidate, but do you really know all of the issues? And the USCCB website on, on, their, on their faithful citizenship, I mean, there's a whole host of issues, right. you know, from racism to, uh, to, um, to immigration, to marriage and family life, to religious freedom. I mean, there's a whole, whole set of stuff that's really important to Catholics, and you, you really need it. To your point, Father House, we need to dive deep into all of those issues. You have to, but and also, too, you have to know then what the candidates are standing for. One of the ways I do that is they put out the sample ballot at a certain point. So I find that sample ballot and I look at who's on the ballot in my area. And then what's their platform? What do they stand for? Because just because they may belong to a certain political party doesn't mean that they walk totally in step with whatever that party may be or what they're saying. So you have to know who you're voting for you have to know what you're voting for. That's about being responsible. And finally, you have to pray. That's how you form your conscience, too. You have to pray. You have to, you know, Lord, help me to know the truth. Help me to have the courage to choose the truth, to make a choice that's pleasing to you. And, uh, and Bishop Apraki's column, uh, one quote that, that I never heard before that he, that he highlighted from uh, Pope St. John Paul II, uh, getting back into uh, the issue of abortion and euthanasia, uh, Pope John Paul II said, in the case of an intrinsically unjust law, such as a law permitting abortion or euthanasia, it is therefore never licit to obey it or to take part in a propaganda campaign in favor of such a law or vote for it. Now, I read that. And the question is then, can a Catholic vote for somebody who supports abortion? Because St. John Paul II, to me, almost, he doesn't say it, but boy, it sure, it sure feels like it. And this is where the debate comes in. <laughs> I know, now, it's very tricky. If a candidate stands up there, if that is all that they're standing on, is you know, free access to abortion all times, or, I mean, any time, if that's the only issue they're standing on, then of course, of course, Catholic cannot vote for them. But the reality is that that's not it. Now, for many of us, as you talk about, that is the preeminent issue, and that very much guides where we're going. But, I mean, we also have the reality is what if you have an election where the abortion issue is if you have all the candidates are in favor of it. Well, then what do you do then? So some may choose not to vote. Some then may choose what we would say the lesser of evils is, what the other things they stand for. So. Or perhaps even a write-in candidate. Right. You exactly. have that option yeah. as well. So, yeah. And, and, so, and the one thing to be careful about is you look at the Republican Party platform, the Democrat Party platform, and, and they talk about abortion and their support and not support of it. But be careful because not every politician falls in line with that. Now, now, granted, we have seen a much more wide split. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You've seen Congress over the years. There have been many pro-life Democrats, and they have been waning by by the years. But I just think locally here in our diocese, there are state legislators who may be Democrat, who are pro-life and maybe vice versa. So that's why, you know, we, I think we get caught up in the federal side of things, but we all know 
local and state elections are almost more important to you and our state and our local neighborhoods. So that's why you have to pay attention to your, to your local, uh, local candidates as well. Uh, kind of shifting gears a little bit, Father House, you know, there, when we talk about uh, the issue of helping the poor and, uh, you know, feeding hungry federal benefits and things like that, the one thing that I think sometimes we get um, confused on is the government's role in that. And when we talk about Jesus and, you know, you know, pay to, pay to Rome, what is Rome, pay to Caesar, what is Caesar, Caesar, pay to God, what is God's. Um, I want you to expound on the fact that Jesus never said that it's the government's responsibility to help the poor, pay for the poor. It's our responsibility. Um, and, and I know sometimes, you know, we get caught up in the life issue and part of the life issue is helping the poor and being compassionate and supportive of that. But how much should that be the government's role versus our own role and private organizations and companies and nonprofits and the church? Well, I mean, everybody has a part to play in that. I mean, this is one of the principles that the bishops say should guide us is the principle of solidarity, basically being committed to seeking the good of everybody. And so with solidarity, that means, okay, so for the poor, and the church even talks about the preferential option for the poor. Now, people can get into debate after debate about what type of government we have, you know, capitalism versus socialism, all this stuff. Well, okay, well, you can divide that however you want. But ultimately, a good society seeks the good of all its members. So some people are more blessed than others, we could argue. Some people have different circumstances that makes things easier for them than others. Okay. But all things being equal, we have to see that nobody's left behind. Now, taking care of each other doesn't mean that everybody gets the same thing. But, and that's the thing. I mean, government is there to help out, to help to organize these things, to be a safety net in certain things. The church cooperates with that. I mean, all too often it, we feel like we're in this adversarial relationship. But in so many other areas, I mean, the church cooperates with the state. The state relies on the church in many things. I mean, the state gives assistance in different programs and that, relying on the church to be that institution, that force that helps to bring about social good. And same with other agencies, not-for-profits, everything like that. So, you know, ultimately the answer is yes, that we are our brother's keeper. And so we all have a part in that. Now, we can debate to what degree, but church state, society in general, has responsibility to see to the common good of everyone. And I think another issue that, that comes up to the top of my list, especially we've seen with coronavirus, is religious freedom. Um, the USCCB has a part on religious freedom in their, their voter guide. And we saw with you know uh, churches being shut down, um, you go to the case of Little Sisters of the Poor and the contraception mandate. Um, we saw, you know, recently in the past couple of years, at least a bill filed at the Illinois State House that would mandate even uh, hospitals who have religious affiliation where they have to perform abortion. That eventually got stripped from the bill. But you see this continual drumbeat of attacks on religious freedom. And do you feel like that? that is, I mean, obviously it's not the preeminent issue, but that is something that, boy, we, we have drastically seen an increase in attacks on our, our religious freedom over the past couple of years. Should that rise to the top of, of you think, Catholics' minds this, this election? Well, I think it's always something to be mindful of because there was a time when it wasn't so much, we didn't think about it. Um, 
But once again, it kind of depends on your political persuasion as to the weight that you give to that issue. For some people, they have no problem with a government uh, encroaching or regulating more and more of the free exercise of religion. For others, that's a very hot button issue, you know, hands off, back away. This is a cherished right and no infringement. Um, that's come up. We know that's been a hot issue during the whole pandemic with religious practice, services, indoor versus outdoor, capacity issues, all this back and forth. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, once again, it's each individual is going to approach it differently. Do I think it's a serious issue? Absolutely. But the person next to me may and, not have that. And that's thought. where forming your conscience is, is so important. Right. Um, I think this year, like you just pointed out, how we have some issues that are becoming more and more divided or, or new. We've not really had to talk about religious liberty for a while. Um, it seems the life issue is growing more and more polarized. I mean, it's always a hot issue, but even more so. And so the document to me that stood out from the USCB was the Civilize It. Because I think what we forget as Catholics is that the person sitting next to you in the pew, they do believe they're forming their conscience, and they may not think what you think. And um, there's just like this basic, um, that's also your brother and sister in Christ, and how you treat or respond or converse with that person um, should respond accordingly. And I think that's where we're seeing so many problems in, in the church and obviously definitely outside the church and that people are just forgetting, um, gosh, yeah, we have different points of views, but it doesn't mean that person is not forming their conscience, unfortunately, like you pointed out. It's a very gray area. Um, and I think the other thing, Amber, you brought up that I think is important is, is to chastise people by saying, oh, you vote that way, you're not Catholic. Yeah, I actually, you know, if you're baptized Catholic, you're Catholic, especially if, especially if you're practicing too. You know, that, that, that doesn't help our cause. Right, I read an article actually, and I, and I don't know really what I think about it, and it was from a Catholic news source, but it's just they broke it down to five different types of Catholics in, in some. Like if you vote, if you think this and vote this, you're this kind of Catholic, if you think this, so five. And I was like, holy cow, we got five different kinds of Catholics. First problematic right there. Because um, I think, like, when we know there's a number of Catholics that we could actually, if all Catholics voted the same way, we could determine the president if that was the case. So that's just sad. But um, I just thought it was interesting. They're like, yeah, look at all these different kinds of Catholics. It kind of, it just got you thinking a little bit. Like, yeah, everyone isn't like me, and they're Catholic. Well, that's why, that's why I think the whole, the whole uh, forming your conscience is so interesting and intriguing to me. Because, you know, it, again, if someone does their due diligence and is, boy, they, they, they think they're, they're fine. I mean... Then, in the eyes of God, are are they fine? I mean, if your if your conscience is truly formed one way, the church teaches even if your conscience is erroneous, you still follow it. So, but we have to make sure though that it truly is our conscience and not our opinion or a want or something like that. Hmm. So, and and in informing our conscience, you know, kind of going on what Amber's talking about, you know, this these five categories that someone puts out of this or that, be very careful where you get your information from. Allow the church to form your conscience, not a group within the church. So the catechism, the church's social compendium, uh, stuff that comes out from the concerts of bishops, stuff that comes out from the diocesan bishops, or Bishop Paprocki. These are the legitimate teachers of the faith. These are the magisterial authority. There may be different Catholic groups that we enjoy reading what they, what they say, various things, but all these different voter guides out there, and there are across the spectrum, they're not authoritative. If it doesn't come from the Holy See, if it doesn't come from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, 
If it doesn't come from your own diocesan bishop, it is not an authoritative document. Even if they're quoting things from other documents, if the material itself, and it may be good, but it's still not authoritative as if it comes from the Holy See, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, or the diocesan bishop. How much do you think people should weigh versus a candidate's character, what they say, how they say it, versus their track record when it comes to policy? And I'm not just talking about one candidate because every candidate has said and done things that have um, raised eyebrows and have tweeted things and have done things that um, you could say maybe for a moment put their character in question. Uh, so that, that yeah, is, is it how much do we base on their character and their, their morals and how they live their life versus I'm voting for him or her because policy-wise I align and I think my conscience tells me this way. That's it's a slippery slope, I would argue. I mean, ideally, their character, or at least what's portrayed as their, this is the problem, too, <laughs> is that who's the one portraying what their character is, and, the, and we can, I don't want to get into a whole <laughs> thing about the media and this and that, but... Um, really quick. I, I, but well, why, but why you, you, want, you want to have, basically, you should be able to see this continuity, that their policies should be reflected in their character and vice versa, and so... You can have somebody, somebody who says, you know, I'm pro-life, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Well, their character should be reflected by that. And people can change. You know, one thing, too, we, we like to, I mean, we love salacious details. That's part of the fallen human nature. And, you know, people can change. And we dig this up, we dig that up, and it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, well, um, I, what, what at the end of the day, I can only answer for myself, and that's going to be enough. That's true. So, but what you said about the media is true. For someone, you know, I used to work in the media. I mean, it, it, and, and studies have shown this, that yes, the, the media does, does bend a certain way. So that's another thing to, to keep in mind as you're maybe assessing someone's character or looking at something. Look at the site you're, you're viewing, and are they telling you the complete picture? You know, what's going on there? One other issue I do want to bring up is immigration, because this has definitely become a hot-button issue. And we've discussed it for, before, I think, on this podcast, where, um, again, this really is an issue that, that splits 50-50. Splits when you look at the two major parties, when you look at the Catholic Church teaching on it, we're kind of both parties, in a sense. We believe in borders. Right. We believe that a country can sustain their borders, but the same token, the compassion toward immigrants and things like that. Um, what do you think of that? What, what are some misnomers do you think people have about immigration when it comes to our Catholic Church teaching on that issue? Well, I think, that's, I think sometimes people, they just think we should, everything should be open wide. I mean, being a welcoming country doesn't mean that we just throw the doors open. So it's about being a nation that welcomes the immigrant, because we're a nation of immigrants. This nation was built by immigrants. So it's about being a nation that's welcoming, that has immigration policies and procedures that are fair and that are just. So th that's the whole point. It's, you know, it's, about a, it's a both and. It's not either or in the church. It's about that both and. So we're absolutely entitled as a sovereign state to have immigration policies, to have laws, to have borders as long as they fit within the moral framework of, of what we believe to be revealed. Yeah, that's a slippery, I mean, that, I think that's all really slippery, because I'm not sure that's how it's being portrayed. I don't think that's what we're getting. And so if it was, if everything was done, like we said, in a Catholic way, we wouldn't be having that debate because it, it wouldn't look like that, right? We would have uh, language and policies that was welcoming people. And I'm not sure that's what's 
exactly happening right now. It's, um, it's, so, it's so sad. I realize this is a Catholic podcast, but geez, if, if we just follow the Catholic Church teaching on these issues, I think, I think we'd, our country would be in pretty good shape right now. <laughs> well, yeah, but we're not a Catholic country, and there's no such thing as a Catholic. Well, I guess the Vatican is a Catholic country. Isn't, but isn't Poland pretty well Catholic? Poland's very Catholic. We've got a lot of great things going on in Poland. <laughs> All right, so usccb.org, that's where the document is. Check it out. Make sure you do your due diligence. And, and it's got, I mean, it's a, it's a long document, so it's, it's very thorough. Form your conscience, the election coming up. Uh, and, we, uh, and also pray for our country. That's, I think, you know, the last thing we need, we need to add is prayer is a very powerful weapon. Uh, pray for our country. Pray for our candidates. And uh, we will see how things shape out. This has been Dive Deep. If you would like more podcasts, head on over to dial.org slash podcast. Until then, we will see you next time here on Dive Deep.